0: Hello and welcome to the Saturday Down South podcast. He is Chris Marler. I am Connor O'Gara. Week three is here. We are so pumped to be going to Oxford for Bama, Ole Miss. We're going to talk all about that later. We're going to talk about the big news in college football with Hurricane Florence wreaking havoc on the Atlantic coast. we got a great interview coming up with Matt Stinchcomb. A bunch of other stuff that we're going to get to. Fourth and wrong might mean too much. All that stuff. Before we do that, though, This is an ad read I'm really excited about. I I I don't get too excited, like overly excited for ad reads, but this isn't your typical ad read. No, it's not. It's It's not because rad
1: read, dude. It
0: oh, that's good. That's good. Added an R. Oh, I get it now. Um, So this is uh, our friends at Rent Like a Champion. If you don't know what Rent Like a Champion is, and you're a college football fan, you absolutely should. I'm not just saying this because we we've, we've worked, we got to deal with them i'm saying this because they are absolutely legit i remember watching these guys on shark tank a couple of years ago and see mark cuban invest in them and being like holy cow it's airbnb yeah. for college football how has nobody thought of this this is an awesome awesome thing that you guys need to get on board with they're hooking us up this weekend we got a three-bedroom condo in oxford thanks to our friends at rent like a champion hot tub i'm not i can't trampoline maybe Uh, i'm bringing
1: those i'm bringing those two things
0: trampolines are death traps let let that be known what hot take um so but if you're heading to an sec game this season rent like a champion is the best way for fans to get closer to the action with weekend homes that let you skip the hotel and stay just minutes from college football stadiums nationwide i think we're like a mile and a half from from vaughn hemingway it's Unbelievable.
1: That's like a walkable
0: distance for you. I, I a brisk walk, a very brisk walk. From Oxford to Auburn to Athens and more, Rent Like a Champion's 4,000 homes across the country make them America's premier sports travel experience. They've been featured on Shark Tank, yeah, like I said, uh, and NBC. They've hosted over 80,000 fans for college football's biggest matchups, Get your group in the game now by heading to info.rentlikeachampion.com slash SDS. You're going to use the code SDS at checkout, and we're going to give you 50 bucks off all new bookings for your group's next game day getaway. Please, please do it. That's info.rentlikeachampion.com SDS. Code SDS for 50 bucks off your new booking. This season, don't just cheer your champions, rent like a champion. I am so fired up to be in business with them. Those guys do some great great things. It's such a great idea and when I first yeah. saw it, I was like, "Why didn't I think of that?"
1: This is I mean, honestly, we they are a partner with us and we have a couple of, you know, ads we read on air and partnerships, but they're all like things that I love. We have gambling, we got an awesome place to stay on a road trip. And Texas P is our sponsor.
0: It's beautiful. We, yeah. live, a, we live a blessed life. I, we do. That was a lot of sick brags in, in one, um, but I feel like it was worthy, and I feel like I, I will do a public service announcement because hotels are ridiculously priced, seriously. Like, guess, a Eaton Day mean, hotel is so expensive.
1: There's nothing worse than going, like, four hours away to go watch your favorite team, even if it's a home game, and maybe you didn't plan ahead and book your hotels, like, you in March or something like that, and you have to pay... Four hundred dollars to stay at a night's Inn, which is where every single episode of Unsolved Mysteries ever started. <laughs> and then you have to you drive over there and stay in that in that terrible dungeon after a loss, yeah. which yeah. happened twice in two thousand two.
0: Get yourself like an actual living space, full kitchen, multiple bedrooms, multiple bathrooms. Don't mess around in a cramped hotel. Do yeah. that. So, college football fans. Have this, this hurricane season, this time of year, we know that this is just going to be a result of, of what we, we come to expect with the sport and the way that we handle weather situations now. Hurricane Florence has canceled a bunch of games across the Atlantic coast. Uh, South Carolina canceled its game against Marshall, UCF, and UNC has canceled, as is West Virginia, NC State, East Carolina, Virginia Tech, and Georgia moved its kick kickoff up to noon. It was originally supposed to be a night kickoff. Uh, Tennessee is offering free tickets to evacuees from South Carolina and North Carolina. That is a great, great initiative. But this is just one of those things that, man, it, it, it sucks that to see something like this happen early yeah. in the week when games like this get canceled. But be safe. Don't be stupid.
1: I agree. I mean, I didn't realize it was this this bad. But My family obviously lives in South Carolina. They're having to – my mom wants to get storm windows, which my stepdad is not – there's a a storm like two days out of every three years. That's a whole other subject. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, but yeah, I didn't realize it was that that bad. And then I saw like the you know Weather Channel and like that, and it's, they said it's going to be almost as bad as Harvey. But it should have gotten a better name than Florence. That's why I didn't realize it was that bad. Yeah, it's Florence, like Hurricane is weak,
0: yeah. Florence is kind of a, a weak weak name. I remember going through Hurricane Irma last year uh, in the state of Florida, it, and it was absolutely brutal. I mean, yeah seriously be safe do not try and drive through this stuff sec fans um just just be smart out there if you don't have any power or something like that and you can't find a way to watch your games and stuff it's going to be okay there are ways to get through uh not having power Do do puzzles or something those are your Uh, words
1: not mine but i mean
0: uh download your podcast ahead of time then you could listen to them uh yeah just a little suggestion but there's another little interesting wrinkle and this is a football podcast so you know we do want to talk about a potential football impact, a potential Vegas impact of this. And this was uh, a potential point- financial
1: impact for Uncle Chris.
0: Big time financial impact. This was pointed out by, um, by our friend Brad Crawford, uh, who does tremendous work over at 27 Sports. And-, and Brad threw this out on Twitter because actually with all these games canceled for Hurricanes, and if they don't get made up, all over under, game- all o- over under bets for season long win totals right. are nullified. So that means if you bet on South Carolina in the beginning of the season with that seven and a half, if they don't make this game seven, up, seven, my bet.
1: And bad. No, the only reason why is because it seven and a half would have made sense. There are two teams and then two, I guess, betting bases, whatever you want to call it, just degenerates basically, mm-hmm. that are going to be affected by this. And South Carolina was minus 185 at the start of the year to win seven or more games. I thought it was one of the best deals in the country. Absolutely. West Virginia was the same it was at like 170 or something like that but for 7 games.
0: And now those all that money is just going to be potentially yeah. wasted. Obviously more much more serious things at stake oh, here yeah. but we we do want to point that out cuz I, I thought that was really interesting and when he when i saw that tw- tweet from Brad i was like, wait, really? I guess i mean there right. would have to be, right? But um, there will be still football played this weekend. There is a huge game this weekend at Auburn, the Tiger Bowl number 12 LSU, number 7 Auburn. It's going to be awesome. We have high expectations for this because of what we've seen at the quarterback position, what we saw from both of these teams in week one. I think there's a potential, considering what both of these teams did in week one, winning big-time games against top 10 teams at neutral sites, I think there's a top-four spot up for grabs, potentially, what say you?
1: I think that's crazy. Uh, I don't think it's going to happen. I, I mean, there's a lot of really cool storylines in this game. I don't know, I feel like that one's a stretch. But I mean, you know, have big dreams.
0: I do have big dreams, because if Ohio State loses to TCU, which I I would still pick Ohio State to win, I think that there's no doubt in my mind that Auburn should, or LSU, should be a top four team. Because think about this, through three weeks of the season, nobody else will have had two wins against top 15 teams and if it's LSU, both of those wins will be right. away from home and against top 10 teams. That would be yeah. super, super impressive. And for a team that started off in the top 25, what more do you have to do to show that you're worthy of being one of the best teams in the country? To me, anybody who has not put a team like that in the top four would be holding on to some preseason notions a little bit too right. much.
1: And it, see, what's weird about it too is like you mentioned, like Auburn would have beaten two top 15 teams as well. And one of them would have been away from home. The Washington game, when they played the number six team in the country, Washington's a really good football team. And as you brought up earlier, they're favored to win their conference. Like, that's a very legit opponent. And they beat them in in not dramatic fashion, but, you know, it was a really good game. They looked really impressive. And it was, honestly, I thought that was enough to move in the top five. You beat the number six team, like, I assumed they would switch spots maybe. They moved up two spots because Oklahoma just boat raced FAU.
0: So let's talk about both sides of the coin here. What a win would do for for both of these programs because I think it's hard if you're a fan of one of these two teams not to kind of look ahead of the potential impact that a game like this would have. And if you're an LSU fan, you're thinking that Joe Burrow is is, is the the savior, the messiah yeah. if he wins this game. I think that that kind of hype will go through the roof. I think it's already kind of you know, picking up some steam, despite the fact that he hasn't completed he, overall, he hasn't completed 50% of his passes. Yeah, that's bad. <laughs> but, if he beats a team like Auburn with that loaded front seven, that's going to say a lot about how far along he is as a player. And I know that, that that LSU won this game last year, but it's it's totally different when you're doing it in somebody else's house. That's right. the great thing about college football. And I think Joe Burrow I think he's already won everybody over in that locker room, but winning over the fan base and proving to everyone that LSU indeed has a quarterback and is a force to be reckoned with, that's established if, if LSU was able to win this game.
1: Well, yeah, what's crazy about this is I, I said several times over the summer and like before the season started that looking at this game, I thought this was the biggest game in the SEC like for the whole season. Really? Not, well, and only because I thought there was a chance both of them would start 0-1, and if they did this game would pretty much just be an elimination game, not only for, like, the playoffs, but the SEC, and somebody probably would have gotten fired.
0: So you think it would have been essentially 2016 all over again?
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what it I mean, even though Malzahn just had his contract, I if you start 0-1, both of them, and that that was very that was a very real possibility. So it's crazy that we're even here. But, yeah, I mean, Joe Burrow, his stats have not been that great. They've not been super, super impressive. The offense statistically doesn't look that impressive like at least on paper but this is going to be a really good game a really good game and if they win if lsu wins this is going to be one of those issues or incidents where you know yeah like they're going to carry that momentum into the toughest part of their schedule in october and burrow is i don't know if he's going to be a heisman contender like i (laughs) predicted in august But, I mean, yeah, he's going to be a fan favorite, that's for sure.
0: Here's what I'll say about Burrow and why the numbers might not be that great yet. Obviously, the first game against Miami. If you're an LSU fan, you're not looking for Joe Burrow to throw for 300 yards against a secondary that good. Big-time atmosphere, first career start, all that stuff. I get it. And then in Week 2, if you're a little bit underwhelmed with his numbers, which were mostly boosted by an end-of-first-half Hail Mary— um, I would still point to the fact that I think Steve Ensminger was keeping that the offense really. Separate. Yeah, and I don't think he was trying to look. He was trying to show a lot last week before a big time matchup against an Auburn right. defense that doesn't really need an advantage because it is that good in the front seven. Exactly. So I, I would remind people of that. Interesting thing to watch this weekend. Joe Burrow came out and said he doesn't slide. He's not a slider. Right. <laughs> when he gets out of the pocket, he gets moving a little bit. He's going to take that hit. That's the kind of guy he is against that Auburn defense. We'll see how that works out. I don't think he's gonna have a chance to slide necessarily.
1: Um, Just don't slide. Run out of bounds. Run out of bounds or throw the ball away.
0: Yeah, might be. Don't
1: get hit by those guys. They are monsters.
0: Yeah, watch watch some film of what Jake Browning went through in that first game. Uh,
1: That was like a Tennessee quarterback. Yeah, that That was was like Garantano. It was was terrible. I mean, both these D lines are really really good. I think the key to this is I mean, Burrow doesn't have to be, you know, Peyton Manning man. He doesn't have to go out there and throw – that is also true. He doesn't have to go out there and complete 70% of his passes and and throw for 300 yards or three touchdowns, anything like that. LSU is one of six teams in the country that has not had a a turnover yet this year. If he can keep doing that, they can win the turnover battle – I don't know what else. It's it's an uphill battle, I'll be honest. Auburn, Auburn's
0: really good. It, it is an uphill battle. And I think the difference in this game is I think both of these offensive lines are going to be overmatched. I think both of these yeah. front sevens are so good, and they're going to be able to get pressure on the quarterback. It's how the quarterback is going to be able to handle the pressure and not make that costly mistake, not put this right. team in third and longs and predictable situations like that. And based on what we saw from Jared Stidham against Washington, I believe he will have a better chance of doing that, being able to handle pressure, Rolling out, understanding when to check, when to make certain right. reads. I think he is just as the guy who's more experienced, more familiarity in that system. I like his chances of doing that at a game that's going to be played at such a high speed and with yeah. such physicality. I, I I'd give the edge to Stidham and Auburn. I, I I know we're gonna we're gonna get to predictions and stuff later, but I, I would still look if you're if you're an Auburn fan, you know this is why you have a guy like Stidham under center. Right. You'll you'll be more thankful than ever that that he is your starting quarterback running the show against that really good LSU defense.
1: Yeah, especially if it's like last week when Auburn had five fumbles from the running backs. Right. I mean, he's got to play a really good game because I, I kept saying that the back seven at Washington was going to be one of the best in the country, and I don't know if I was right or wrong. Let's just say I was right, maybe. I don't know. Sure, um, sure okay. But LSU is right there with them so that's that's gonna be a really intriguing matchup for me it's like they get two receivers back from injury that tore their acls like what three weeks ago
0: right yeah because that's the will muschamp school of thought when it comes to torn acls yeah um just rub some dirt on it you will be fine (laughs) the home team has won this game five years in a row that's been since gus melzahn got to auburn we'll see if that trend continues this year but man talk about a fun one based on what those two teams did in week one the expectations and the potential playoff implications of this one. I mean, I think the, that, that a one-loss team from the SEC West that ends up having all of these good quality wins, even without a conference championship, if they lose a game to Bama and they're sitting there with one loss, they're going to be mighty intriguing for the playoff selection committee. Not saying that both of these teams will right. be able to get through unscathed, but you have to feel really good about having two big-time resume wins this early in the season if you're one of those two teams. So
1: I think I'm, I'm just scarred with from Texas A&M. Under Sumlin, having like these like really good September and October's, and then you know jumping into the playoffs, at eh. least the rankings.
0: Yeah, but knowing what we know now about 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 Sumlin and I mean yeah. his struggles at Arizona, it's easy to look back and say, well, yeah, he might not have been the best coach in the world, but right. I, I think time will tell whether or not these two teams are able to. We're going to find out just how good these teams are. That's the beauty yeah. of the SEC West this year is that. Nobody's just going to escape by. There's nobody that's going to get to a conference championship easily. It's going to be earned, no doubt about it. Speaking of the SEC West, the game that we are going to be at this weekend, yes, it's going to be awesome. Bama, Ole Miss, it's going down. Vaught Hemingway Stadium, all the points in the world. Signing up for worry. that.
1: I yeah, this is going to be. I, I honestly don't know what to expect offensively. I know I made the prediction in the summer that I was hoping you would have forgot about. Nope about Ole Miss, absolutely not, um, about Ole Miss beating Bama. And then I went back on it. Also, I was hoping you would have forgotten that too. Nope. Nope. <laughs> so this weekend, I mean, it'll be interesting. I wonder if two is going to play the entire game. Uh, is Tomu going to put up the same kind of numbers he's been putting up all season or for both games? Battle that of, offense is ridiculous.
0: It, it is. battle of Hawaiian quarterbacks. My favorite storyline going into this one, of course. I yeah. uh, don't know if that's ever happened before in the SEC. Two SEC starting quarterbacks, both from the state of Hawaii. But
1: I mean, I could Google it, but I know I'll just end up watching that Saved by the Bell Hawaii episode again on YouTube. and Get distracted.
0: Yeah, you or you Dog def- the Bounty Hunter. We 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 were going to talk about uh, Saved by the Bell with Matt Stinchcombe. We ended up not doing that. Nope, uh, absolutely. <laughs> did, didn't quite make it there. Um, Should we
1: wear matching Hawaiian shirts on Saturday? And please don't say yes.
0: I am. I am not a Hawaiian shirt guy not by any stretch of the imagination. If there's a Hawaiian shirt available, there's also a dry fit shirt available. I'll take a dry fit shirt. Nice, bro. (laughs) People might forget, this is Tua's first start against an SEC defense. All that he has accomplished, isn't that amazing to think about? Uh, Given how we're talking about him as this transcendent quarterback, this best quarterback of the Knicks Saban era. Best
1: quarterback in program history. and
0: And I believe all of that, but it's still his first start against an SEC defense. And this is the first time that we're seeing an SEC defense. I put that in air quotes because Ole Miss is not really an SEC defense after letting up 629 yards of total offense in Southern Illinois, but it's an SEC defense technically and it has a week to game plan to shut down Tua. That is the first time that we have seen this because Last year, nobody was preparing to shut down Tua. Maybe they had some packages put in, but even Georgia players came out and said after the national championship, "Like, yeah, we weren't preparing for a guy who right. could throw. It's a totally different <laughs> different <laughs> challenge prepared for such Tua a, than it is Jalen Hurst." Such an
1: insult, too. Yeah, I mean, why did we lose? I don't know. We didn't think their quarterback would be able to throw the football, so we didn't prepare for that. Thanks, Jalen. I, mean, I, I, I kind of get I'm it. I'm not saying it's not fair. No, I mean, I. Ole Miss's defense is bad. I mean, they're really bad. I thought they'd be a little bit improved, and I expected Texas Tech to put up some big numbers. But Southern Illinois, 29 first downs, 41 points. It was a close game. I'm out here making fun of the Big Ten on Twitter, and you're doing this to me, embarrassing me like that, Ole Miss? <laughs> I, yeah, I, I can't wait to get to Oxford. I think it's going to be a great game. I think Ole Miss is going to put up a lot of yards, a lot of points. It'll be really interesting to see what happens if Tua plays for 60 full minutes and what that offense can do.
0: Yeah, that's that's obviously a storyline going in, is Jalen Hurts has already played in two games. Everybody has talked about this potential redshirt deal that they're going to do with him and whether or not they're going to play more than four games and all that stuff. I don't think he's seen the field in this one. I think that's the beauty and why I'm so excited, because I think that there's a realistic possibility that maybe Ole Miss stays within three touchdowns, right. and that's still striking distance to be able to have Tua on the field for... 60 minutes and to right. be able to play him the entire time. I think Bama fans are so excited about this one because they get to see a full 60 minutes of Tua against a defense that you know he's going to pick apart. And all of that that hype and potential, these little, you know, uh, an incredible throw to Jerry Judy in the corner of the end zone or a perfect throw down the sideline to Devontae Smith, you get 60 minutes of that instead of like 25.
1: Right. And, I mean, yeah, that almost defense – he's gonna be going up against, I mean, that mean, they're like less stable than Ikea furniture. It's really bad. <laughs> and the only reason, I hate to say this, but the only reason I hope Jalen goes in is if we're up by a lot and it's like right around six minutes to go in the second quarter, because that way, then I know I can go pee and just miss the three and out we're gonna inevitably have and just beat the rush
0: at, at halftime. Smart. Speaking of that though, speaking of, of, of quarterbacks, not speaking of you taking a bathroom P- break. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah. Speaking of your pee. <laughs> You know, one of the things that maybe we haven't talked about enough is our guy JT, his pro potential. This is a big-time money game for him. Going against the Alabama defense and putting up some points can earn you some coin. We've yeah. seen that in the past, and there are certain... Johnny certain, Manziel. <laughs> I mean, Johnny Manziel, had, you know, a few other games besides Alabama that were good, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, but that's,
1: that, that seemed to be the only highlight they showed. Oh, yeah, uh, running around in circles. and then. You know. He also put up 600 yards of
0: offense, but, so I guess it was fair, but whatever. Yeah, you sound totally over it. <laughs> um so I'm excited to see what JT can do AJ Brown against that young Alabama secondary the thing that gave you pause about this matchup early in the season was the inexperience that we've seen on the back end and we've seen Alabama allow some yards in the first couple games it hasn't mattered because Tua has right. been so brilliant early and Alabama hasn't even been on its heels but this whole misty D- offense is too good not to score. I think it's a different situation last year. They're a little bit more equipped at the line of scrimmage to be able to handle a team like Alabama from an offensive line standpoint. Right. And I don't think it's a game where shape like last year where Shea Patterson was running for his life. They should be able to score, you yeah. know, a few touchdowns I would think. Right.
1: Uh, yeah. Completely agree. I mean, Bama's defense has not been great. They gave up 391 yards uh, last weekend to Arkansas state and They haven't got much of a pass rush up front. The linebackers have not done very well in coverage. So that whole unit, I feel like it's probably still trying to gel a little bit. This is not the team to go up against when you're trying to gel as a unit. I mean, it's not just A.J. Brown either. I mean, it's the whole receiving core. And, you know, I I tell you who else is going to make a lot of money uh, if he has a good game on Saturdays is Greg Little.
0: Greg Little, I think, is already going to make some money. He's pretty much in every mock draft that you could think that you could see. Of course, the Ole Miss offensive tackle, um, who has had – Obviously, some great success there. Right. The more points that they put up, that's a better look on him. And if he can, you know, withstand some of those Bama, you know, those Bama pass rushers and stop right. a guy like you know Rashawn Evans or, or, or something like that. I mean, then we're talking or Rayquan Davis. Did I say Rashawn? Yeah, he Evans? said Rashawn Evans. <laughs>
1: He's wow. Gone.
0: My, 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 I was okay, so I, I reverted back to the 2017 matchup with Shea Patterson, and obviously my brain just went there. So,
1: well, to be fair, I didn't realize uh, which left tackle Greg Little was if he was the one with like the Sandra Bullock movie. The one with the gas mask, or the one that's there now. So,
0: yeah. Shout out to all always got a good left tackles. tackle. Huh? Yeah. Y'all are noteworthy. Noteworthy bunch. Um, we are so pumped to be experiencing the Grove on Saturday. If there are any places that we need to be, let us know. Shoot us a message on social media at the SDS Pod. I think we're going to give away some stickers, aren't we?
1: So here's the thing, y'all. I'm not trying to sound uh, rude, but throw out an invitation because we're coming either way.
0: Oh yeah, we'll be there.
1: Yeah. So, we're looking for some cornhole. Probably, probably a little gambling
0: with it. I'm, I'm, I'm down for that. I'm, I'm confident my cornhole abilities, no doubt.
1: Um, yeah, probably not with money, I guess, just because I'll have all of that invested uh, into the actual game. But, yeah, we want to go play some cornhole. We want to see the best tailgate spots, best places to eat in town. Um, I don't know, Connor probably wants a frozen yogurt from somewhere. I don't know.
0: I had frozen yogurt last night.
1: <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I will not be looking for frozen yogurt, but... Um, Hit us up on Instagram, DMs, or Twitter DMs, or just—that sounded creepy.
0: Yeah, no, not at all. Here's the deal. <laughs> or just text
1: me on MySpace.
0: We'll have stickers to give away. We'll have Ole Miss SDS stickers to give away. If you beat us in cornhole, we'll give you a shout out on the pod. Yeah. Of course. But like I said, I'm very, very confident in my cornhole I'm, abilities.
1: I'm going to bring some extra prizes and stuff from just things that I've gathered. That sounds like it's, I'm just giving stuff away like a yard sale, but no, it's gonna be football related. <laughs> stuff you have acquired. <laughs> we have some SCS swag we're gonna be giving away is what
0: I'm saying. <laughs> if you beat us, uh, it's it's gonna be a blast though. We'll we'll be recording from Oxford on Sunday, so hopefully that pod will be out Sunday afternoon is the plan. So be following all of our social media accounts. We're gonna have a bunch of stuff uh, on all of our you know Saturday Down South Twitter, Instagram. Uh, you're even doing a Facebook Live from yeah from, uh, from Oxford on Saturday morning. Um, so yeah, we're gonna have a ton of stuff. We are also going to be watching a few other games, keeping keeping them uh, on our radar. Of course, we want to see what Drew Locke can do against his his first Power Five opponent of the Derek Dooley offense era. That sounded weird to say. Um, it still sounds weird Derek to Dooley say. Because Derek Dooley has do- a job. Yeah. It, the offensive are- guru. Oh, I, I, I can't you know, I totally say.
1: forgot until last week that he coached half a damn season off like on a bar stool.
0: How many people have done that?
1: (laughs) None. I don't. Sean Payton. I don't know.
0: Yeah, that's. Yeah, basically, Sean Payton did do that. Um, But we're going to get to see what Derek Dooley's offense is capable of against a Purdue team that has struggled a lot. This is a team that we thought, at least we over on the Saturday tradition side, thought could win six, seven games. I know that's not saying a lot, but, you know, this is still a team that pummeled Mizzou last year. Mizzou lost 35-3 to at home right. against Purdue, and I thought that was a, a real step-back game for Mizzou fans who had expectations that were maybe a little bit higher than they should have been, and that was one of the worst Power 5 games I've ever seen. Yeah. I mean, it was terrible. To think and that I Mizzou think has come this far in that stretch, though, is impressive.
1: It's weird when you look at it, because I, I think they're going to win outright, because Purdue is not great. I mean, they played Northwestern very close, um, but they have one of the most I mean, intimidating high school stadiums in all of West Lafayette. I'm not going to get into East Lafayette. You have no idea.
0: I've actually but, seen, a, there's no East Lafayette. I've seen, I've seen a few different uh, high school stadiums in West Lafayette, so I can confirm that.
1: Are they as nice as this one? Probably. Yeah, not. They're, they're
0: nice. They, they just, cause they were just redid Ross aid. So it's looking a little bit, a little bit better, yeah. but you know, they
1: bumped it up to like 23,000 people now. Anyway, regardless, it's I think Mizzou is a a really underrated football team. I think Drew Locke and Emmanuel Hall together are probably the best quarterback-receiver combo in the country. They're putting up ridiculous numbers, and and they're going to keep doing that no matter what Derek Dooley tries to do. Um,
0: Will Greer and David Sills would maybe have an argument as to why they're better, but I I could— Well, they're not playing this week. Oh, that's a good point. That's a good yeah. point. I forgot about that. Emmanuel Hall is second among Power 5 receivers right now in receiving yards. The deep passing game go. has been strong through the first two games of Mizzou's season. Granted, it's been against Wyoming and UT Martin. UT Martin. So,
1: but, let's... I mean, Purdue's giving up almost 300 yards a game passing, and they're coming off a loss to Eastern Michigan. Yeah. And Eastern Michigan, they're 2-0, and but they were literally in the bottom five of the entire FBS in 2016 and 2017. So... I don't have a lot of faith in Purdue, obviously, but like when you look at just the, the numbers of what Mizzou has done, or I guess better way to put it is hasn't done on the road against Power 5 schools, all that, it's, it's I mean, hopefully they're different because those numbers are not good.
0: This is a big Albert O game, too. Um, the tight end, yeah. the Mizzou tight end, who, uh, pronouncing his last name, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm just going to get it wrong. Oh, you, yeah. Everybody calls him Albert O anyway, so. Oh, if if Ed if Ed said it every time, that would be, that would be amazing. Um, but this is still a game that I think Mizzou should win, and we'll get to this in picks later. But right. I see this as a game where Drew Lock should be able to go over the top of this this defense that has struggled mightily, a very inexperienced Purdue defense that lost a ton of talent from that group last year. So it is still going to be a game that people will try and base a lot of their Drew Lock takes because that's the way it works for these first round quarterback prospects, and when they see him finally play, you know power five competition and this is this is a chance for those that's to like not
1: off. his like draft reel like putting like town moves up against bama and then you just have like drew lock just crushing ut martin <laughs> right
0: <laughs> drew lock who's like a fourth year starter now but yeah right this <laughs> takes off this game um how about this how about a non-sec game that you are interested in this weekend so from a fan standpoint
1: there's two the washington uh, utah game at Utah, because I mean, Mormons and mountains.
0: What else? They go they together
1: need? like. I don't know what.
0: Like sobriety and.
1: <laughs> Short sleeve button downs with ties. Yep. Um, yeah, you know what? Shout out to us for not having to wear like a, a bike helmet to work. That's cool. We're doing that at least. We are doing that. I don't know why right. you brought that up, but that's what Mormons do. Really? Yeah. So at least I'm doing better than that.
0: My exposure anyway. to Mormons has been very limited. Apparently.
1: You're lucky. Um, Anyway, I'm looking forward to that game. I think Washington's still one of the best teams in the country, but Utah always seems to like jump up and get somebody at home, whether it's Oregon, Stanford, USC. And then that being said, USC travels to Texas, and Texas has been god awful. However, however, they are favored at home against USC, which means I'm gonna do what I do best: double down on bad decisions. I'm gonna jump all over Texas.
0: We can, even agree though I'm not though. allowed
1: in the state. I mean, like. I'm gonna jump on like the, the gambling lines in case anybody from the woodlands is listening.
0: We can agree though, this is gonna suck, right?
1: <laughs> I hope I hope the score is like nine to eight. And it's like and it's, a, it does suck the whole time.
0: And it's all first quarter points and it's just yeah. fumbles and turnovers and slop fests. Just
1: two straight quarters and padding to Will Farrell and Matthew McConaughey in like a, a luxury box. Oh
0: gosh. I saw a stat the other day that Texas in the last basically since Colt McCoy left is, like, five games over 500 overall, not it's conference impossible. play. It's
1: impossible. It, it, I have no idea. How? How, how do, do you do that? that? Think about how many other programs have like gotten— they're not upstarts or anything like that, but, like, how great they are.
0: How are you this bad? And with relatively competent coaches, too. I mean, we're talking Mack Brown, Charlie Strong, Tom Herman, yeah. people who have had success at other places as well. And for whatever reason, Texas just— Maybe
1: it's karma for kicking somebody out of a golf course when they were 16.
0: Moving on, moving <laughs> on. Duke uh, and Baylor. Yeah, uh, you have more interest in that than I do.
1: Just gambling wise, I think like it should be a fun game. I don't know. Right. Baylor used to be cool. They have cool uniforms. Duke's Duke? got a, like a all freshman backcourt.
0: Duke ended the longest FBS winning streak too. Northwestern. So, uh, actually, longest Power Five because UCF, okay. as you know, has the longest. Oh God. FBS streak. Um, but there are a couple other games that uh i think will have the nation's eye there are three games this weekend between top 25 teams we've already talked about one of them the tiger bowl the two others ohio state against tcu in dallas that is saturday night and it's one of those games where if you're ohio state and you lose this game man i think that road to get to the playoff is really really difficult given what we saw last right. year nine nine game conference schedule in the big ten east not an easy thing to get through it unscathed if you're a two loss team uh we just like i said still have yet to see a power five team run the table in right. a nine game conference schedule and make the playoffs so i wouldn't if you're an ohio state fan i know you got a loss to give but hey, that'd be a tough one to give
1: i mean traditionally urban meyer has like been really good on the road
0: he's not there and though,
1: I, so also true yeah. yeah so that's that point's nullified also just <laughs> i just want to bring up the iowa game last year that's all <laughs>
0: I, I mean, know where you're
1: going I'm looking that. forward to that one. I think the the other one, though, Oklahoma State and Boise State.
0: Yeah, so this one in Stillwater. I don't know if enough people are talking about this because there, Boise State has potential to be the fly in the ointment for Power 5 teams, much like Notre Dame. And I say that because... <laughs> Boise State. if it, No, no, no. Hear me out. Hear me out on this. If Boise State wins this game, we've talked about whether or not a Group of Five team can realistically compete for a playoff spot, given the fact that UCF wasn't even looked at last year by right. the selection committee, and it didn't have that big time marquee Power Five win. All it did was go up to Maryland and win, had the Georgia Georgia Tech game canceled, which hurt them obviously. If you're Boise State and you beat a top twenty five team on the road, and then run the table, right? That's a tough. Thing for the selection committee to turn around and say, "No, nah, you're not good enough," because Boise State's going to beat is going to blow some teams out. I mean, that's just that's the well, nature of the beast the in the The Selection West. committee
1: probably learned from last year that if they say that, that they're not good enough, they're going to leave them out. Then for the next eight months, they're going to have to endure the worst Twitter beef ever from their fans. I'm assuming they're just like UCF fans. I
0: I would. I don't know uh, because Boise State has had its moment in the sun, and it didn't declare itself a national champion. You know, I mean, they've been, if you actually, Boise State had some ridiculous stat about like winning 10 games and how many 10-win seasons they've had in the 21st century. And they have played the part really well, in my opinion. They've marketed themselves in, in a good way. So I don't know if they would necessarily go to that extent because it's a different kind of struggle for UCF and, from a branding standpoint, but I, mean, I do yeah, think that this is a game that if you're an SEC fan, and this is why I say this, if you're an SEC fan and you're thinking that there's a realistic chance that two SEC teams can make the playoff again, and if maybe right. two teams from the SEC West or, you know, a team that doesn't make a conference championship from the SEC West that only has one loss, much like Alabama last year has a playoff shot. You're rooting against Boise state this weekend. Right. Plain and simple. No, completely
1: agree. And and see, the thing is like they're getting Oklahoma state in a really good spot because this is not the same kind of Oklahoma State football team yep. as we've seen in years past. I understand their ranks, and everyone kind of assumes they're going to just throw somebody out there and put up 60 points like they do every weekend, seemingly. But, no, Boise State's a pretty good football team. They already have a 9% chance to reach the playoffs, which I thought was kind of alarmingly high. But
0: If they get through this weekend, that's yeah. that's the big thing. If they get through agree. this weekend, all of a sudden it's, it's like, holy cow, the, the right. people, a lot more people are going to start taking notice of this. Uh, and so, all
1: jokes aside about the UCF thing, but... After last year, like I don't see the playoff committee really doing that over, like doing that all over again. They got scrutinized so much for that.
0: It'd be a tough thing to walk back. Obviously, it's still middle September. A lot of things can happen. Upsets happen. Running the table is an extremely difficult thing to do, yep. no matter what conference you play in. But we will be monitoring all of those things this weekend. And oh, by the way, Kansas and Rutgers—the best that thing is that's just ever happened. The- the <laughs>
1: Why am I gonna gamble on that game? I gotta get new hobbies. Kansas is favored. Uh,
0: if you had said Rutgers is favored, I would have the same reaction.
1: Kansas is favored because they they beat Central Michigan. They won a road game for the first time since like the Mom. Eisenhower administration. Yeah, nice. There you go. Yeah. We're the same um, blank there. And they're playing Rutgers. It's like the ugh, this nobody game. Is nobody just comes great. into
0: Lawrence and pushes Kansas around.
1: No one comes into Lawrence. It's I, a I, terrible city.
0: Well, I, I'm talking about basketball, of course. Oh yeah, yeah. Bill Self. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, this this game is like baloney. It's just like, why is it even here in the meat aisle? I don't want to. This. Why is this the same as the other meats? But you're still it's gonna not... fry it up and eat it. Yeah, I'm definitely going to watch it. I'm I'm, gonna, I'm probably going to parlay Kansas and Texas just because I hate myself this week. So there's that.
0: Oh, geez. Let, let's bring it back to the SEC. We had a, a great interview that we recorded with Matt Stinchcomb where Marler found out that something he has thought for a very long time yeah. uh, is apparently untrue. Matt Stinchcomb cleared some things up about your days back uh, in Stone Mountain, Georgia. So
1: Apparently I was not cool in high school.
0: <laughs> Here is that interview with Matt Stinchcomb. We are excited to be joined by a very, very special guest, SEC fans, Saturday Island South fans, uh, Georgia fans. Everybody knows this guy. He is former Georgia great and current SEC network analyst, Matt Stinchcomb. Matt is joining us on behalf of the Allstate AFCA Good Works team. Matt, before we get into some SEC talk, tell us about the fine work that you're doing with the good folks at Allstate.
2: Well, these guys, um, these are the best guys that are playing football. Not always the best football players, but the best people that are playing college football right now. Um, and it just so happens that uh, your, I think your listeners will appreciate that the Southeastern Conference has had more players named to the national team than any other conference since 1992, which is pretty impressive. Um, and this year's the, the representative is Rodrigo Blankenship, who is kind of this – Cult figure, so to speak. He's got the specs. He's the kicker for Georgia. He probably nailed two of the most clutch field goals in postseason history, at least uh, collegiately, with the 56 uh, yarder in the Rose Bowl. And then uh, I think it was a 51 yarder in overtime uh, versus Alabama. And what you would have thought uh, was more than enough to secure the first national championship for Georgia in uh, over 30 years, almost 40. Uh, wasn't the case, but it sure wasn't because of Blankenship. Really talented kicker, but a great kid, too. Works with the Red Cross. They um, actually had a former National Good Works team member, Quentin Moses, who played at Georgia years ago as a sack leader, was an all-conference player, uh, die in a, in a home fire. And uh, since then, the program has made it a point to uh, not only raise awareness, but install smoke detectors in and around the community where it happened for Quentin, where he was from. And uh, Rodrigo was one of the guys that um, kind of spearheaded that effort. Just, uh, I think, exemplifies all the things that are good that comes out of collegiate athletics and specifically college football. That's what this team's all about, to make sure guys like that, that their story is told to help encourage other people, other players especially, to use their platform that college football provides them to uh, impact others in a positive way.
0: Matt, let's stick with the Georgia theme there Um, and talking about Rodrigo. And he had a big field goal last week, too. Uh, In that game, Georgia pretty much reminded the world that it was Georgia, just totally demolished South Carolina. After watching that, in your mind, how can this team maybe be even more dominant than what we saw last year?
2: You know, I think it's a function of a couple of things. Uh, One is you're in year three of a tenure for a new head coach after uh, a decade and a half with the previous regime it's easy for that to really become ingrained in a program and it's not easy to re-envision you know what that culture it uh, whatever culture shift you're trying to introduce uh, looks like and i think it was evidenced um, in year one for georgia where they struggled they lost to teams that that on paper they were better than and, and could easily say they should have won losing to a vanderbilt and a georgia tech and tennessee and um, uh, Florida that season, basically all of their uh, key rivals. Um, it was an ugly uh, opening stanza for Kirby Smart. Now you're in you're in year three now. Last year you might have been ahead of schedule because you're playing a true freshman forced into doing so at quarterback um, after the first quarter second series. Um, of your season no one I think anticipated at that point that no for sure Georgia is going to contend for a national title here certainly they're going to win an SEC championship so they're probably ahead of schedule but now what you're seeing I think in year three is a program that's established itself and it's been able to recruit into its depth and that's where you see the elite programs like a Clemson like an Alabama like an Ohio State where they're able to sustain their levels of excellence year over year.
0: You do these great film studies, and I know that you had the Kentucky game uh, last week that you were doing the film study for. Um, after taking a closer look yeah. at that game, which surprised a lot of people, tell us why Kentucky can maybe do more than just end a streak against Florida. And also on the flip side, was this a game a sign that year one of the Dan Mullen era has some tough times ahead still?
2: I think it's a reality check. I, th- I do think that you know some people were saying that you know they felt like Florida – would probably be the second-best team in the SEC East of Georgia, um, uh, ahead of South Carolina, which was kind of the favorite coming into the year. I'm not sure South Carolina still isn't the second-best team in the SEC East. I think that speaks more to the gap that perhaps has been created um, by Georgia. Part of that's a function of what uh, Kobe Smart took over. It's a function of his being in the third year, and Tennessee is in year one of Jeremy Pruitt. Florida's in year one of Dan Mullen. Um, you know, Mark Stoops is the dean of SEC East coaches. He's the second-longest tenured coach, along with uh, Gus Malzahn, in the entire conference. So there's been a ton of turnover. There's a ton of turnover this year. Um, and a lot of it, I think, um, is owing to, you know, some of the gap that's been created for Georgia. You know, Kentucky – might be the second-best team in the SEC East, the way they perform versus Florida. It's just such a small sample size for what we've seen these teams play. I don't know how good Florida is or isn't. And we'll learn a little bit more this week when they face Colorado State, a team that just beat Arkansas in a pretty dramatic fashion with a fourth-quarter comeback. Um, but we'll find out a little bit more about Florida and where they are. I, I never felt as if they were going to be in position to contend for an SEC East division title or really even be among the, the um, upper uh, level of that division. Uh, that says nothing about Dan Mullen. He's a heck of a coach. It's just a matter of time. But frankly, Florida has not recruited very well, didn't recruit very well into Jim McElwain, and you're seeing some of the fruits of those recruiting classes right now.
0: Let's keep it in the SEC East. You watched... Tennessee beat up on an FCS opponent last week. We don't want to look too far into that, but you did get to see Tennessee up close, and when you're around the program, you talk to coaches, you get a little bit of a better feel about things overall. How much time, realistically, does it take Tennessee to be competing with a team like Georgia on an annual basis?
2: Mm, uh, I'm going say at least two more seasons. Um, you know, when you look at it right now, uh, their offensive front is a mess. Part of that's a function of injury, but frankly... They did not perform very well even in week one versus West Virginia when they were largely healthy. Trey Smith is, is one of the best offensive linemen in the country. Um, from a talent standpoint, he might be the most talented, in my opinion, watching the, the him play uh, at left tackle. But he's rusty. He missed almost the entirety of his offseason due to medical issues. Um, they're relatively ordinary uh, for the balance of the offensive front beyond him. You got a quarterback in Jarrett Garantana who was, you know, a partial part-time as far as the number of games started a season ago, uh, who's still trying to round into form and is now, you know, going into yet another uh, offensive system and entirely new, different uh, philosophy and cultural approach under Jeremy Pruitt and Tyson Helton as the offensive coordinator. They've got some young players and they do have talent, but it's just not spread out enough and on each level, especially defensively the way I think it, uh, they're going to be able to compete. They might steal a game um, here and there, but frankly, when you watch them play, they struggled mightily along the front all game long versus uh, an ETSU team. Um, they could have and should have, you would think at this point, be able to dominate when you're saying, oh, this is Tennessee versus a program that just started it restarted football in 2015. Um, it didn't look that way, though. And uh, Jeremy Pruitt, you can tell, um, he coaches with an edge, and that is a bit of a departure from what that program was used to under Butch Jones. There's there's a lot of ground to cover for Tennessee, but you also know this: you look at that staff that Jeremy Pruitt has put together, and you look at some of the young uh, playmakers that they do have, uh, and they've got opportunity to fill in the gaps pretty quickly. It just I think it's going to take one, probably two, recruiting cycles before they have that program where they want it to be able to compete at a high level and try to close that gap that George has created.
0: Let's move over to the big game this weekend between LSU and Auburn, two teams that are obviously in very different places than Tennessee. I know you did a film study with Jared Siddham and Gus Malzahn a couple weeks ago. Why why do you think the 2018 version of Siddham is built to handle the pressure from that loaded LSU front that he's going to see this weekend?
2: Well, he definitely seems more comfortable with what they're trying to accomplish at auburn offensively and we gotta keep in mind it's a pretty distant departure from what it was that he was trying to do when he was at baylor and then out of ball and then back into ball um an entirely different conference a conference that you know plays defense for real doesn't just have 11 other guys out there they're actually going to intend to stop you that's not true in other conferences namely the one that stidham came from um so all of that, the fact that you're actually going to provide me with resistance, you know, that could be a, a little bit of a shock to the system. But when you watch him play, he looks more comfortable. I felt as if, oh, as the season progressed last year, um, it seemed as if he was starting to become more comfortable. I don't know if that was just, uh, you know, kind of an operating assumption, and I was reading into it. But versus Washington, it looked like he had better command of what they were trying to get accomplished, and and you you got uh, a a newer offensive coordinator Chip Lindsey too that was being introduced to that team. So um, the challenge that Auburn will have is the offensive front. They they didn't play great. They didn't play great in the opener versus Washington. Uh, they were still able to get the job done. They want to be more committed to the run. I think Booby Whitlow is going to really help them. uh, he might end up being the primary rusher by the time the season's all said and done. It usually takes Auburn a couple of games before they identify who their workhorse is going to be, who's going to be their guy. Um, That's kind of been a hallmark of Gus Malzahn teams where, yeah, it's by committee, it's by committee, it's by committee, okay, it's this guy, and we're going to ride this horse into the ground. Um, I'll be surprised if Whitlow doesn't become that guy by the season's end. They're going to need that to happen, but you know it's a salty defense. That's really, I think, going to be the calling card for Auburn this year. That defensive front, we can talk about Clemson's all day long. It's a really good one. I don't see Auburn's defensive line seeding a whole lot of ground. Um, when you want to talk about the best fronts, the best down line in all of college football, uh, the Auburn Tigers have got to be right there with them.
0: We're going to switch gears a bit. Marler has some, uh, some family feud questions for you. Uh, they may or may not have been oh. about things that happened 20 years ago. We're gonna stick with a, a '90s Family Feud edition. So Marler's gonna take over from here.
1: Nice to meet you, Matt. Um, I so we actually have one thing in common. We both went to Parkview High School.
2: Fantastic. Go Panthers. No kidding.
1: Yeah. So I remember that because your mom was a school nurse.
2: My my mom my mom was a school nurse
1: at at Trickham.
2: My mom was an eighth grade. Uh, English teacher.
1: Oh, well, I remember several times. Maybe
2: she put a Band-Aid on you one or two times.
1: That probably did happen. <laughs> there was a moment outside of the uh, the nurse's office um, when your younger brother, I was wearing an Alabama shirt, uh, sat on me. And uh, I'm still trying to get get past it, but, you know, we're, we're moving on.
2: <laughs> you don't sound scarred at all.
1: But um, so that being said, I do have a few questions uh, for Family Feud. Just rapid fire. We got five quick ones for you. Are you ready? Fire away. Who was the best player you played with at UGA from 95 to 98? Obviously, you were the best.
2: Hi, uh, Yeah, hi, <laughs> uh, Hines Ward. Who
1: is UGA's biggest actual rival? Oh, wow.
2: For me, it was Auburn.
1: I would have said Middle Tennessee State just to kind of stoke the fires this weekend. Who's the toughest D-end you had to uh, go up against?
2: Man, I don't know. I had John Abraham, Javon Kirsch, and Leonard Little in my four years. That was a pretty nasty road to hoe all in our division. I would probably say uh John Abraham, only because Javon uh played a lot of linebacker, thankfully.
1: Okay. Bigger win for you, AFC title in two thousand two or the ninety seven win versus
2: Florida? Um ninety seven win versus Florida. That's
1: yeah. And finally, best sports movie of all time. Bull Durham. I would have said Little Ooh. Giants, but yeah, that's that's acceptable.
2: You would have said little giants and meant it.
1: I mean, obviously, I haven't really grown from like the '90s after what I brought up initially. So yeah, that's still a good one for me.
2: Man, that just boy, that is a conviction of sports movies. There's like a that must have been like you grew up in a barren wasteland of sports movies. Okay, that's f- <laughs> I was T
0: Matt we. We really appreciate you coming on. Um, you, you, we, we've been very appreciative of the fact that you've been coming on this podcast for, for a while now. Keep doing good things with uh, the Allstate AFCA Good Works team. Keep doing good things with the SEC Network. Uh, yeah, thanks again, and we'll talk soon.
2: Thanks for having me on, guys. Marlar, go Panthers. Represent. There it is. <laughs> thanks, man.
0: <laughs> appreciate it. Take care, Matt. Really appreciate Matt joining us. That was, I thought he had some interesting stuff on, on on Tennessee. I think he's a little bit more skeptical about how difficult it's going to be uh, for them moving forward and the things that they need to correct and how, just, how far off that they, they have fallen. I, I believe in Jeremy Pruitt, and I think he does too, but I think – Seeing what they did last week and the way that they were pushing on the line scrimmage, I thought that was a, a telling takeaway from the interview. I
1: mean, I honestly didn't listen to most of what you just said because I'm still just distraught over the fact that he didn't like Little Giants. And I honestly, I think I should reach out to him and see if we can do, like, a film study episode, but just to watch Little Giants.
0: Annexation of Puerto Rico. Yeah. Draw it up. Breaking
1: it down. They missed so many assignments that game. Oh, oh
0: man. Oh, gosh. So many missed tackles. Pro Football Focus would have had a field day with that one. Um... <laughs> <laughs> We've got picks to get to. Let's talk about our friends over at MyBookie.
1: So, yeah, Uncle Chris, back at you. Uh, had a good week last week. Want to give a shout-out to our friends at MyBookie, of course. Uh, I love MyBookie, as most of you know, because I bring up gambling probably more than a healthy amount. Um, MyBookie is great, though, and actually this weekend is one of the reasons I like it the most, because they have a, their mobile site is incredible. You have live in-game lines. And on top of that, guess what, Connor? Even though the season's already started they're still matching your initial deposit up to 100% if you use the promo code SDS. And if you use the promo code SDS25 after 7 p.m., which I'm going to do in about an hour and 38 minutes, they'll match your initial deposit up to 100% and add 25 more percent. That's a lot of percent. Yeah, that's like 15 more percent than the effort you give every podcast.
0: Yeah, that's right. Sometimes there you go. 110%, um,
1: baby. <laughs> no, but... Thank you, uh, yeah, thanks for bringing that up. There you go. Um, MyBookie is great. Head over to MyBookie.com. It's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. They have all the latest lines, the totals, in-game betting, like I said, season totals, prop bets. I still have an open bet with if, whether or not Mike Gundy's mullet hair is going to reach his shoulder pads. No chance. Like in a suit by November 11th. Yeah. Nope. I not said gonna no. Hit. Love it. So, make sure you check them out. Make sure you check out the Facebook Live on Saturday morning. We'll go over the picks. It's also brought to you by MyBookie. And without further ado, here are our week three picks. Let's do it. All right. I'm going to let you start since you put the Murray State thing in here. I did
0: not put the Murray State thing in here. I know it was you. I did, There's no way. I, I definitely didn't do that. UTEP, Tennessee. Tennessee is favored by 30 and a half points. That's a lot of points for Tennessee, but UTEP's not very good.
1: No, UTEP is really bad. So UTEP is whatever those S&P plus sign rankings are.
0: Ampersand?
1: Yeah, ampersand. Whatever that is. This is a dang stock exchange. Come on now, man. If I don't do algebra. I just go back to ninth grade for the third time. Anyway, um, UTEP is ranked 130 out of 130 in that whole uh, Microsoft Excel sheet that I looked at earlier from that website. Woof. That's bad, y'all. That's that's last place. Tennessee is... Real bad. I, I have
0: been picked to cover. I... I reluctantly say Tennessee will cover, and I say that despite what I heard from Matt Stinchcomb not really being on board with Tennessee dominating the line of scrimmage. I right. still think that they cover. Yeah, give me give me Tennessee. I
1: just it's always good just to stay away from minors as much as possible. So there's that. Um, All right, their mascot. <laughs> anyway, uh, next one. This is actually a very intriguing game. Vandy on the road at Notre Dame. Why did this game ever even happen?
0: Derek Mason's not scared of this game. Let me tell you, he is ready to go. Yeah. Make no mistake about it. I'm going to take Vandy. His team. I'm going to take Vandy to cover a 14 and a half point spread, and I realize that I run the risk of looking like an idiot for saying that Vandy can compete with a team that is currently ranked in the t- – is Notre Dame top 10? I think Notre Dame's still top All 10, right? Always. Let's somehow. Pretend, yeah. No, I think they're number eight. Whatever. Um, here's why. So shout out to my brother who covers Ball State for a living. Uh, was at the Notre Dame game last weekend. Couldn't believe how bad the Notre Dame offense was. Brandon Wimbush looked yeah. much like the quarterback I thought he was going to be in week one against Michigan. Uh, it turned out that he apparently is not uh, the quarterback of the future there. Made a lot of mistakes, turned the ball over. Notre Dame basically came out and admitted that they underestimated Ball State. So, Bandy defensively, a little bit better than Ball State. Not exactly Michigan, but... I think right. there's actually a decent chance that Vandy keeps Notre Dame from not scoring 30 points, and I yeah. say that reluctantly.
1: I think the under is definitely the play. I, I, there's no part of me that thinks Vanderbilt is going to go to South Bend and win a football game there. That seems ridiculous. It does. But I mean Notre Dame is not that great, and like I'm going to throw out some numbers here. Okay, these are these are the actual rankings in the in the country for Notre Dame's offense points per game, 92nd. Woof. Total yards per game, ninety fifth. Rush yards per game, one oh six. Last week they had forty one carries for one hundred and seventeen yards against Ball State, and two of those are seventy three yards came on two of those. Yep. That's I mean that's embarrassingly bad. And Vanderbilt's not they're not like world beaters, but they have a pretty good defense, I think.
0: We will see. We will see what the the Derek Mason at no longer as the defensive coordinator is really all about. Right. If if they're able to hold Notre Dame to like twenty one points. Dame. If they beat Notre Dame, I, I
1: will get a tattoo of Manti Tails girlfriend on my face. Nice. There you go. I will
0: make sure to see it. Um, um,
1: up next, Colorado State and Florida. I feel like we're being punished for this game even happening.
0: No, it's the McAwain Bowl. It's glorious. I don't care that he's not there. It's still the McIlwain Bowl, and I'm going to call it that and pretend that he is on both sidelines calling every single play for both teams. <laughs>
1: Just second-guessing himself the whole time? Yep. God, what do you think he'd wear? It's
0: definitely from Belk, but man... Large windbreaker. Yep. Khakis that are way, way too big. Um, Probably no wedding ring because he didn't get in, got
1: one from the shark yet. Too soon. Too soon. All right, you're right. Um, I This game is awful for so many reasons. The two worst things that happened in the SEC last week, Florida's performance and then Arkansas' performance against Colorado State. And somehow Florida's a 20-point favorite.
0: Yeah, so Florida came... Florida came out as a, as a basically a three touchdown favorite in this one, despite the fact that offensively last week looked disastrous. Felipe right. Franks, a lot of those issues from last year resurfaced as I kind of thought that they would in, in a game against actual Power Five competition. Colorado State, if it doesn't beat Arkansas and if Florida wins that game last week, we're, we're talking about a potential 40 point spread, I think. And, and it's you're also
1: saying, well, but if Colorado State does beat Arkansas and Florida won last week, I wonder if the winner of this game moves into the top four shut and gets in the up, Shut up, <laughs> No, this game's going to be awful. I guess I'm going to pick Florida, but I, there's
0: – no.
1: I like gambling, but I wouldn't even put money on this game.
0: Yeah. I'll I'm going to pick
1: Florida to cover for our picks.
0: I'll take Florida to cover just because I trust Dan, Mil- Dan Mullen's ability to scheme and get guys wide open, make some adjustments after what was a dismal offensive performance right. last week.
1: Uh, speaking of dismal, North Texas travels to Fayetteville. Oh, man. Uh, and Arkansas is only a seven-point favorite.
0: All right, so I'm going to say that North Texas covers. Arkansas wins, but North Texas keeps it close because I'm a big believer in Seth Luttrell. I think he's going to be one of the top candidates to get a, power, a legitimate Power 5 job at season's end. I think that he's going to kind of have that big breakthrough season where they win, you know, 10 games or something like that. And you're talking about them playing in a pretty decent bowl game for a group of five team. And I think that this kind of helps them get there. It's so tough to put any faith in Arkansas after what we saw in the fourth quarter. This is a team that lacks an offensive identity right now. The way that they blew that game to not score and allow a team like Colorado State that was so bad To score 25 unanswered shows me that they don't have an offensive identity right now. If you can't pick up first downs (laughs) against a team like that, where are you at as a program? I mean, I know this is still the Chad Morris era at the beginning of it, but that was a a really bad sign.
1: You're talking about a a defense in Colorado State that was giving up over 600 yards per game and allowing 78% of the passes opposing quarterbacks to be completed. And going into the fourth quarter, the first play of the fourth quarter, it was fourth and one, and Arkansas punted from the 50-yard line. After that play.
0: I hate that, by the way. I hate that. Just go
1: for it. Get a yard. You can get a yard. Well, obviously they probably couldn't have because the stat was they had eight plays for the rest of the quarter for 16 total yards. So, yeah, this offense is not good. Uh, North Texas has a really good offense. Really good coaching staff. Tashard Choice. Graham Harrell. Seth Luttrell. Seth Luttrell. I didn't know that one.
0: Yeah. He's their head coach, so.
1: Yeah. Averman from the Mighty Ducks. They just kind of threw that one in there, but it's a really well, good question. such coach. a random no, thing to throw Nobody in there. Known. Uh, I'm going to pick North Texas to cover, and this is another reason I love my bookie, because you can buy up to three points per game. This line is, like, teetered back and forth between six and a half, seven, seven and a half. I'm going to buy it up to roughly eight, and then also take North Texas straight up.
0: Wow. You're Boom. Going
1: there. That's right. Man.
0: That would not be a good look for the, the Chad Morris era if they started off 1 and 2 with two losses to a group of 5 teams, especially in a year that they're not playing a non-conference power 5 team, which is pretty Whoa. amazing to do in this yeah. era, but they Almost managed Almost
1: impossible, but here we are. Uh, next game we're going to get. let's just let's be brief with these. Louisiana is at Mississippi State. It's a 32 and a half point favorite for the Bulldogs.
0: Mississippi State runs the ball down their throat. Offensive line has been so good to start the year. I saw one stat that I think might have been pro football focused that had Mississippi State as the highest graded offensive line in the country right now. I could that was just your that. diary. Uh, it was my diary. I did, yeah, with little hearts around Joe Moorhead's name. <laughs> and, yeah, Give me the Bulldogs cover. cover. Uh,
1: I will take the same. I believe that's what I had. Yeah, sure. Sure, whatever. Um, also, Louisiana Monroe is at Texas A&M. Swear to God, I thought this was the same
0: game, but same Apparently team. not. Nope. We learned something. Um, I'm going to take Louisiana Monroe, and I'm not backing off the, the Kellen Mond hype, but just to cover, just to cover. Not taking them out right so not You worry. heard it here Don't first, worry. guys. Don't worry. No, no, no. I am still all aboard. The Kellen Mond hype train, but I think here's what happens after a really physical game against Clemson, and you got Bama coming up next week. I think that they're going to want to be really, really simple on offense. A little bit of a tougher game to get going offensively. Come out a little bit sluggish, a little bit slow, right. not firing off the ball. Tough to get up for Lu- Louisiana Monroe, but ultimately, ANM wins this game by like 24 yeah. paces. Second half ends up winning easily.
1: I think that the previous game on Mississippi State, this game, and the next one we're going to get into are, are all in the same in terms of, like, they're going to come out a little bit sluggish, a little bit hungover from, like, the, the week ahead, or week before when, I mean, Mississippi State and Georgia were on the road, uh, like, right. having huge wins. And then a I know they didn't win, but if you talk to their fans, you definitely would have thought they did.
0: Yeah, it, it, it definitely did feel like it. We will move on to uh, what we've got three games left here. we yeah, got Mizzou, Mizzou and Purdue to pick as well. We haven't picked yeah. that yet, have we?
1: No, I got Mizzou
0: by a lot. I got Mizzou by, by two touchdowns, Drew Locke in that offense, doesn't have any problems scoring. They're okay. able to win this game by a couple touchdowns easy.
1: Uh, same, and also UGA. They're a 33-point favorite. I know it's a noon kickoff. They're, I think they're going to wake up halfway through the first quarter, and they'll just do what UGA does and put up, like, 48 points.
0: Yeah, didn't Vanny beat Middle Tennessee by, like, 32 or something? So why is, UGA only, yeah. Why, yeah, why is UGA only a 33-point favorite? That easy doesn't make money. sense to me. Yeah, I'll, I'll take UGA to cover.
1: All right, last but not least... We have Bama going to Ole Miss, 21 and a half point favorite.
0: Roll Tide, but I think it ends up being like a tough game for Bama to cover because I think they they keep their distance and have maybe a two-touchdown lead, three-touchdown lead, kind of going back and forth with that. Right. Uh, but I think they ultimately win this game by like 24. Ole Miss still puts up some points, but this ends up being like a, a 58-31 game or some something yeah. wacky like that.
1: I think the over is probably the play. Um, I think Ole Miss is definitely going to put up some points. But I will take Bama to cover um, if Tua plays the entire time. Last, actually, LSU-Auburn.
0: Ooh, Auburn yeah, is a 9.5-point right. favorite. Uh, give, me, give me Auburn. Give me Auburn at home. I think they come out a little bit s- similar to what we saw last year at Jordan-Hare against number one opponents. Big-time home game. First big-time home game of the year. Uh, give me the Tigers to overwhelm Joe Burrow a bit and win this, win this game by at least two touchdowns. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking too.
1: Like 24 to 10, 27 13 type deal. You can see that. Um, I completely agree. I would take the under though. There's that. So, uh, again, all those lines are available at mybookie.com. Our good friends over there.
0: Yes. Let us get to fourth and wrong. It is time for our favorite segment of the week. We had some good questions. Uh, Three of them this week that we want to get to? We're doing three. You want me to, you me you want to, me to right say them? I, <laughs> I want you to say them. I want you to say them.
1: Okay. Uh, the first one, I need tips for online or IRL, which I had to Google, means in real life, dating. Yep. yep. Please,
0: where are all the single guys? All the single guys are at sports bars, but the problem is that single guys do not go out as single guys, and if they go out as single guys, they are viewed as creepy because, well, you yeah. more times than not. So, the problem is that it is tough to spot a single guy out of a crowd. And single guys are, all the single guys are at sports bars, but they're it's almost like camouflage there. It, it's tough to scout them out. They're not going to go and do random things in the middle of the week, like join a pottery class or something like that. So, yeah. if you're looking there, um, chances are that's something that you already set up. So, I've just taken go yoga a sports before bar. to meet a girl. Yeah, you know, I've probably. also
1: gone to Sips and Strokes, but that was mainly because they had really good prices on wine and you could paint. Fish live, in a barrel, my man. We live Fish in a barrel. Lives. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know where all the single guys would be. I, I, if I had to guess, I'd say College Station, since there's like 90,000 bros in the stands there every Good single point. weekend. Good point. Um, the best dating advice I can give uh, as somebody that just got engaged, I would say what you want to do is, is have at least two to three very long-term toxic relationships that just drain you um, for quite some time. And then uh, right when you're about to give up, just, you know, Hopefully, love will find you.
0: Get it out of your system. Best yeah. way to do it, right? That's
1: Yeah, exactly right.
0: All right. Love's not
1: real. <laughs> I'm kidding. Yes, it is. Best do of not luck, lie. though. One, lo- one loyal dog. That was from one loyal dog on Instagram. Next
0: question. What one beer best describes Coach O? I'm going to go Natty Light because I feel like Coach O can have 10 Red Bulls and be the exact same person and also have... 10 natty lights and be the exact same person because he can drink them like water. He's and an
1: indestructible person.
0: He is. And natty light is the closest thing to water. So I'm going to say that because he could pretty much just be drinking those all day, yeah. as many people are in Baton Rouge, of course, right up to that game. So
1: yeah, he's, he's the kind of person you see at a tailgate and he's like finished off an entire 24 pack of like Keystone Light. Um, and it's like, he still seems fine. He's not even slurring his words. And like three minutes later, he's wearing a different shirt and like asleep in the bushes. But <laughs> I, I said his, uh, his, his beer would be Steel Reserve because, yeah, it's basically Natty Light, but just even less eloquent and fancy.
0: All right, I can get on board with that. Yeah,
1: there you go. And last but not least, uh, if you had to marry someone from a SEC school, what SEC school would you pick your wife from?
0: Vandy. Go get you someone smart. Get you someone that's got a, that, that degree that you know is going to take them some places. Shout out terrible, to all the people at Vandy. We, I know we got a lot of Vandy listeners, but they, they know their way around a book. We know that. And they're going to make 100 grand out of college. Just go to Nashville. It'll be fine.
1: Connor, have you ever, I mean, you're a smart person. There's a very big gap between my, my intelligence and my fiance's. Have you ever lost an argument because you didn't understand a word in the argument?
0: Um, yeah, pretty much every day.
1: Yeah, I had to Google acerbic the other day. Um, no idea. I thought she meant Arabic. I was wrong, and I lo- she she saw like the befuddled look come over my face, and that's how I lost the whole argument. What I'm saying is, don't date smart girls. Eh,
2: something yeah, be probably not good advice.
1: I so this is gonna be um, this is gonna surprise people. I'm gonna say Auburn. Whoa. Yeah, Auburn's always had better looking girls in Bama. They usually have like pretty decent careers. Like, they have a good veterinary school. They have a good. Uh, interior design school and also even if they don't like football that much they still hate Bama so they'll at least talk about football All and right. you're get divorced anyway statistically speaking so
0: I believe in love man I believe let's finish out with it might mean too much this is a good one this came from uh from uh, this came via Facebook last weekend this was the mom of Auburn running back Jatarvius Whitlow aka Booby, like Booby Miles Friday Night Lights And after the game, oh, by the way, so uh, Booby Whitlow has this career day. He's a redshirt freshman, of course, and uh, ran for like 122 yards, but he fumbled on the second possession of the game. Auburn, of course, had a lot of fumbles. Yeah. His mom, in the video, right when he sees her, she's like, drop and give me 50. For, just just for the fumble. Not like, hey, like, unbelievable game. That was incredible. Drop and give me 50. I didn't see, maybe she did say, you know, incredible game, but I, He knew that was coming. He looked at her. There was no resistance whatsoever. He looked at her like that was what he expected. And he was probably thinking of doing those push ups the entire time that he was rushing for a career high. That's the best thing about that video.
1: Yeah. Also, when we're in Oxford this weekend, I'm going to introduce myself to everyone as Booby. I'm Chris. You can call me Booby, though. See if it catches on.
0: That's what creepy single guy does. (laughs) We have uh, one five star review to get to today. Uh, This is from uh, Gordy Laugh. Interesting subject line. It just means more. Eh, It might mean too much, but that's all right. This one is short and sweet, and it's wonderful. Uh, So this is from Gordy Laugh. Like, loving on your sister in Fayetteville, this podcast is great. Well said.
1: That is, I mean, it's something. I'll say that. We have not made
0: our Arkansas listeners very happy today. I know that for a fact.
1: Well, they're doing their best.
0: They're they're trying. Um, Hook us up in Oxford. We are going to be trying to go to all the best tailgate spots. If there's a place that we need to be, whether it's a tailgate, a restaurant, a bar, anything like that, shoot us a little message on social media, at the SDS pod, at C Marler, SDS, at CGO Guerra. Make sure that you are watching our Facebook live. Uncle Chris is going to be joining you from Oxford on Saturday morning. Making a special appearance. Check that out. Win you some money. Win you some money in week three. That's right. Follow us on Instagram, at Saturday Down South. Follow us on Twitter, at ass all of our accounts, all that no. stuff.
1: Yeah. And Y'all finally, listen, we got oh. one thing we got to say before we go.
0: Oh, wait, real quick. We we forgot to say this earlier. The Tiger Bowl, if LSU is losing in the first half, I think we need to do an impromptu, cocho, halftime pump-up speech from you.
1: Well, I'm glad you brought that up, Connor, because that's exactly what we're going to do right now. Everybody know, Grimala, pretty big Alabama fan. Okay? No bigger fan of the Tiger right now beside me than Crib we going to go down to the plains. They call it a lovely little village on the plains. It's just a village. It's not even that lovely. It seems just like a plain village, to be honest. We're going to go down there. We're going to get ourselves a win. We're going to come back to battle rules. 3-0. Joe Burrow for Heisman.
0: LSU by 50.
1: LSU by 1,000.
0: Oh, remember the most important we thing, guys. We ain't even guys.
1: at war. Why they got an eagle flying around here? We ain't even at war right now. We won a war when they even started a football program.
0: Coach O, what what do our listeners have to remember?
1: It might mean too much. I can't do the voice. I I, I think I burned something in
2: the vocal cords.
0: Thanks, guys. Hit us up in Oxford.